the ultimate sports podcast, your one-stop shop for all your sporting news and discussion. Welcome back to the podcast. Now, my guest today is Brian Bergford, who for 30 years had a debilitating phobia of water. Once he combated that fear, he went on to become a nationally ranked swimmer in the US. He's also a sports peak performance specialist, having earned a degree in psychology. Hi, Brian. Thank you for joining me today. How are you doing? I'm doing terrific, Sam. Thank you so much. Absolutely pumped to be on with you today. So thank you for allowing me to join you going to talk a whole variety of things we're going to talk how you overcame this phobia of water to become a swimmer that competed at national level and done pretty well and then how you help people with peak performance and we'll probably go off on various other tangents throughout so if we go right in with it this phobia of water where did it come from that's such a super great question and of course <laughs> i don't know the first question you asked me i'm not sure i'm gonna have a definite answer for i've gone back and forth on that honestly sam it you know sometimes i'm like maybe it's this or maybe it's that and i think you know all of us have been in that place where we kind of can drive ourselves a little batty asking ourselves why why or where did where did it come from but it's it's an intriguing question and i find myself looking at it there's a couple places I've suspected it might have come from. One of them was just some like early childhood stuff kind of related more to just sort of feeling, because uh, the, the phobia was actually like, it wasn't like being around water. It was having my face submerged, right, under the water. And one of the places I've suspected that might have come from is just the sort of stifling feeling of some of the kind of early emotional <laughs> trauma that I went through as a child and it just made me feel like I was kind of suffocating and it was sort of this emotional thing that I feel like may have transferred over to the water thing when I very first my because my parents did uh, my dad in particular took me to swim lessons as a really young kid uh, not well for most of the kids they were real swim lessons for me it became an exercise in not completely losing it and being okay with maybe putting my face in the water for a second or two. But like all the other kids were learning real things and I was learning stuff like, hey, just kind of lie on your back in the water and the instructor will hold you up with both hands so you don't freak out. So it was a real challenge for me from very early on and um, I'm not sure exactly where it came from, but what I just told you is probably my best guess. It's a pretty rational fear to have, I think. There's probably a fair few people out there with that. Yeah, exactly. And I, I remember that because I had some other things in my life that freaked me out a bit as well. Fear of heights was one. The, the thing that was interesting for me with the water is I would not just have a fear response, I would have a completely irrational panic response where my brain would get totally hijacked and I would be, you know, I'd start like hyperventilating and all those kind of like panic attack type of things. And so it was really interesting because it's like, it felt like it was at a different level for me than most of the other stuff in my life where I kind of experienced some intense fears. And I just found that this was kind of on a different level and, and really, really challenging for me to, to be quite honest. And it was kind of a phobia that was part of your life for a long time. It was a while before you decided to combat it, I think. Yes, sir. Yeah, it was, um, gosh, because my, so an example, again, like the fear of heights that I mentioned, that I decided to overcome by taking the small rational step of 
doing rock climbing. <laughs> and I was like, we're just going to get this taken care of. But the water thing really took me a long time to fully engage it. And I think part of that was just the visceral reaction I had to even thinking about doing something like that. And so it really, because I wasn't, I was 30 years old when I started getting, you know, lessons in swimming. So it was much, much, much later in my life. And um, yeah, it just, it just stuck with me from, and the crazy thing is, I don't remember being a kid and like not having the fear, right? Or the phobia. It's something that I don't, consciously remember a time before I had it. And so it literally like lived with me up until I was well 30 and even past that as I was overcoming it. But 30s where I decided enough's enough. I'm gonna tackle this head on. I'm gonna deal with it. And that's where everything kind of the journey began, so to speak. And what made you want to tackle it head on at 30? What what suddenly changed then? I think there was a confluence of factors. The biggest and most obvious to me was I just got really sick and tired of having that in my life and feeling like I was being puppeteered by my fears and insecurities and allowing that to hijack, you know, choices in my life and available options and possibilities that I had. So I really just frankly got fed up with that. I had also seen back in, I think it was like, it was the Beijing Olympics. um, And this was way before I started swimming, but I had seen Michael Phelps like kind of pull off what he did at those Olympics. And I love, I love sports, absolutely love sports, watching people kind of at the pinnacle of their career or their craft, or in this case, their, their physical sort of prowess and watching him do that. It planted a seed that I think kind of like, water and, and, and grew a little bit over time, but it inspired me enough that I think that in tandem with just getting fed up about the water thing and then deciding, you know what, like, I'm not going to have this control me anymore. Plus, I want to be able to be a source of inspiration and encouragement for other people because we all deal with things that freak us out. And if we're pushing the envelope in our lives at all, I have found at least for myself and, you know, all the clients that I work with, no matter how much success they may have already had, there is always something else out in front that if we're honest with ourselves, stresses us out, causes us fear. And I just wanted to be a great ambassador for the type of thing that I was helping other people overcome and being able to speak from a position of authority. And um, it's still something to this day, I'm always looking to push the envelope of things that make me uncomfortable and freak me out. So when you overcome this phobia, going back to the water, what was it that you was, was it just swimming lessons that you was going back to? Or was there some techniques or, or, or was it? Yeah. So are you asking like how I kind of took things up again? Yeah. Yeah. So after my hiatus from swimming from the time I was a wee tyke until I was 30. I went in and just hired a a local coach to teach me something about swimming, right? Because I had watched some YouTube videos, but I also knew enough to recognize, okay, you're probably going to need some direct feedback and it would help to actually get some expert eyes on you and what you're doing. So I hired a coach and interestingly enough, his name is Bob Bowman, which is this name of Michael Phelps's head coach as well, completely unrelated, definitely not the same person, but it was really interesting when I recognized that later and I'm like, holy cow, right? Like this person that inspired yeah, me, I act, yeah, it's crazy, right? Ended up with a guy, same name. So I worked with Bob and 
he just walked me through, was super patient, encouraging, but he also pushed me. And I remember there came this point, I had been working with him for a couple months and I'm not the type of person that when I decide to do something, dabbles in what I'm applying myself to. I mean, I really, you know, got in to it. And he would, if he gave me drills and exercises to do, I was working out between our lessons together and putting in as much work as I possibly could. So even though we only worked together for a couple months, I made a boatload of progress because I was working diligently. And, and I really think it was after about two months, he said to me at the end of one of our sessions, you're ready to join a master's team. And I was simultaneously terrified and exhilarated. And because of that, <laughs> I took advantage of the fact that I was still exhilarated. And before that wore off, I decided, you know what, I'm going to register with a master's team because if I wait, I'm going to talk myself out of it. The exhilaration will wane and I will end up having the trepidation creep back in. So I joined a master's team and just kind of got rocking and rolling and stuck with it and just kept pushing for like that next thing, that next hill, the next ridge, right? Kind of in that, in that analogy of just going to the next hill and just walking or running to the next hill and not obsessing too much of way down the road, but having something to look forward to instead of just showing up day to day, kind of putting in the work. Because for me, and I have found for most people out there, if we don't have something really competitive to look toward, it's very difficult to push ourselves in the moment, at least in my experience. So for example, there are plenty of people where maybe they're, they work out and they really like to take care of themselves. And I think that's fantastic. However, everything takes on a completely different tone and trajectory when people aim at something like a competition, when they actively engage in something or they put themselves out there and they commit to something where they have to actually show up that ignites a whole different level of performance. And I think that's one of the keys that kept me going because even when I was in the master's program, swimming, you know, um, five days a week, sometimes six days a week, even through that process, I was still dealing with a lot of the residual, you know, the phobia that had now become just a really intense fear. And that was certainly a daily battle. But when I had something to project myself toward, it made the work so much more bearable and so much more fun. And so that really helped me along. Almost like you're going somewhere. I think we even see that on a, perhaps a, definitely not the same level, but when you get competition between friends compared to just not having anyone there at all, obviously it's a totally different level what you're talking about when you actually then go into a proper competition and do it all over. Now with your swimming, you definitely took it to the highest level. We're talking national level within five years. Yeah, I, it was one of those things that I was kind of mentioning earlier, this is one of those um, kind of checkpoints or landmarks that I was looking for. Because initially, I just, I remember going to the aquatic center by our house and kind of sneaking in when there was a competition happening there. And I kind of snuck in and went up in the bleachers and was watching these people at this aquatic center, which is actually where my team practices, but watching people compete there, I was like, that's actually really inspiring. And maybe someday I could compete here. And then once I did compete there, I was like, okay, cool, what's next? 
And then I got it in my head. What if I actually was to qualify for Masters Nationals someday? Like not just go to it because it is possible to go and swim a couple events even if you don't meet the qualifying times. Um, it's restricted though how many events you can really do. But I decided if I'm going to nationals, I'm going to actually meet the national qualifying times or I'm not going. And I was pushing, you know, month after month after year after year to get to that place. And it was so inspiring when I was finally able to compete at that level. And like you said, yes, it brings you up to a totally, to a totally different place. <clears throat> and for me, you know, like I own multiple businesses. I've got a lot of things going on, right? A lot of moving parts. So it wasn't like this is my full-time gig or I'm a professional athlete. Like certainly not. I'm just a person with a ton of drive and ambition and I'm willing to really go the distance. And I'm so inspired by humans really performing again at the peak of their ability and pushing themselves that I thought like, I really want to set an example and be one of those people. And even if I can't compete at a really elite level, I'm going to push myself. I'm going to see how far I can go. And then the competitions, man, that just kind of locks you into a different mentality. And some people really stress out about that, I've found. But you don't, ha you don't have to stress out about competitions. There's certainly some extra energy, right, when you know you've got something coming up and you're going to be in front of a bunch of people. But it can also be exhilarating. And that's really what I decided to tap into. And the competitive spirit between me and my teammates and the other people there, really other people that whole time were inspiring me to become better myself. And that's what I love most about competition, not so much beating other people. Um, I've had my wife tell me, countless times, hey, you know, you did really great, like you beat that other guy. And I have no idea because when I'm looking at the scoreboard, I could care less if I come in first place, right? And sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. But the point is, I'm really looking at how did I do for me? Did I push myself? Did I leave every part of myself sort of like in the pool, if you will, and put it all out there? And that's what I love about competition. It kind of pushes us to be our best selves. It comes down to mentality is what I'm hearing here a lot. You've obviously got some kind of mentality to go on and do this. Where do you think that comes <laughs> from? It's a great question. Sam, this goes back to your first question. I really think a lot of this came out of childhood, right? And adversity and thing, challenges that I faced there and, and things that were really emotionally at the time, I felt totally crippling. And at the same time, sort of a lot of that was going on in my environment also at a certain point ignited, because sometimes people talk about you know, they're like, they're broken or something like that. And I really, I really don't like that because sometimes when you're feel like you're broken, it's really just a switch is being flipped in you. And there was a level of determination that was turned on inside of me that I don't think could have happened any other way. And there's a great quote that I'm probably going to mess up <laughs> in about five seconds, but the crux of it is that sometimes when you think or feel like you're being buried, you're actually being planted. And I think that's exactly what happened to me. And if I didn't have a lot of that adversity, uh, I wouldn't have had to, by necessity, develop the determination and the grit that has lived with me my entire life. And so I'm actually very, very grateful for a lot of that resistance on the front end because it has made me it's not that it made me who I am today, but what I did with it made me who I am today. 
right? Because we can all experience huge challenges in our lives, and we all do. And sometimes we respond to those and we rise to the occasion and we have the right mindset toward it. And other times we don't, and we get vastly different, different outcomes. And so I just always feel like if an adversity is going to come my way, I'm going to make it pay. I'm going to make it pay off for me. And I, I think that's really where all that came from. Yeah, I think we hear that from a lot of, not even just top athletes, but just people at the top of their game, that they've had to go to a really dark place to come to go to a really good place. And it, as you say, it, that's what gives them that determination that perhaps people that don't experience that won't have. And I love that you said that because there's this question that I feel like, at least for me and a lot of people that I'm surrounded by are really asking of like, why do certain things happen in the world, right? And like, why do we have this, you know, the, so much beauty in the world and so much good and then like so much evil and all these different things. And I certainly don't proclaim or, you know, pretend to have all the answers. But one thing that's helped me a lot in thinking about that is, listen, it's Sometimes we're driven to the greatest heights by exactly what you said, reaching the lowest of our lows. And sometimes it's the darkness that drives us toward the light. And again, it just all comes back to like, how are we utilizing it? Because when great things happen, I think that's a, that's a time where we really want to be grateful and we want to be thankful and rejoice and use those advantages to our advantage. And I think in the dark times too, those are times to also be grateful and like I say, said, make the adversity pay you and use that as fuel. I got so much stinking fuel from, because there was a lot of times I wanted to quit swimming and a little bit of a tangent. I know you said we might go off on some rabbit trails <laughs> and I'm, I'm good at those, my friend. So one of the big challenges initially was I wanted to quit so many times. And again, if you've never wanted to quit something, I don't feel like you've really put yourself into it, right? Unless it's just sort of you kind of pick something up for the weekend and you're like, eh, that's not for me. But I'm talking about if you're really doing something for a while, if you push yourself hard enough, eventually you're going to want to quit. And for me, that happened so much at different times, especially because the fear would come back in and I'd be struggling with that. And I'd be asking other people, are you dealing with this? And they're like, no, I don't really have I've never really thought about that too much. I'm like, oh my goodness gracious. But one of the things that kept me going was thinking, all right, like, am I going to go back to letting my fear control me? Am I a quitter or am I an overcomer? Am I somebody who's going to just grab this and go and not take no for an answer, not be somebody that I can't look in the mirror and be proud of every day or pretend that I'm happy with myself, but I know in my soul that I'm lying. And it was that kind of conversation and just looking at the alternative. If I give into this and I quit, that's going to gain momentum and that's going to become a habit. And it's not just about sport and it's not just about athletics and competition, right? That is something that can become a defining characteristic and it's really easy to creep into any of our lives. And I feel like we have to really stand guard against it. And so using that fear to really prompt me and push me to decide I'm bigger than my fear. And if I'm not big enough right now, I will become big enough, but I'm sure as heck not going to stop and pull up short and quit. I definitely get you. I can see where you're coming from there. And I think we've probably all experienced a bit of that sometimes. We have pushed ourselves with something. I think it's worth noting that we are deep into psychology now. And you yourself have a degree in psychology. It's not like you're someone that's got the education on it to talk or the background to talk on it. Now, you've put that into practice and in going into peak performance for athletes. How, how did that interest come about? Is that just from your love of sport or is there something else that kind of took you there? 
Yeah, I think it was just the fact that, man, I've always been, there's certain things I believe that each of us as individuals are really naturally inspired by. And so, you know, for people that are artists, they, I think, just kind of come into the world where they're naturally inspired by great works of art and paintings at a level that probably the rest of us, we might admire something, but it doesn't really capture our hearts and minds at the same level. But for me, watching athletes and people in sport, that was just always something. And again, when I was in college, you know, I interned with the strength and conditioning team at the university that I was going to. um, And I had background in personal training and that type of thing, even though ironically, I literally did not do athletics until I was in my 30s. I mean, I worked out and stuff and I played little kid football and, you know, baseball when I was really young, but I really didn't do anything in uh, middle school, high school, or even college. But I remember being at university working with the football team and not actual real football like yours is football proper (laughs) (laughs) sorry i like american football and i just i loved working with the athletes because when i was doing strength training for them versus personal training clients at the gym that I worked at. It was just a night and day experience for me. And so I found out really quickly, I loved being involved with athletes. And as I grew and became a business owner and an entrepreneur, that was just a group of people I understood really well. People that are like high level professionals. Um, They also are really athletically inclined. They might even be competing in some type of sport or they at least love sports and have a background in it. I can really dive in with those people because I truly understand them. And um, so I think that's, that's where that really sunk in for me and why I focused on that and it's peak performance coaching, it's what we call it now, but what really is that? What are you doing to get peak performance from these athletes? That is a phenomenal question. It's basically, I think of it as aligning people's psychology and along with their spirituality, because I think those things are actually both really important. And I know like the second thing I mentioned really puts some people off, but I'm talking about, right? Like that doesn't necessarily mean like religious or something like that. It's just, there's, there's a mental and there's a spiritual component to life. And when those things are in alignment, and especially when people's psychology is robust and strong, and they know how to work themselves out of challenges, they know how to work through fear and not sitting there pretending like they're not afraid, but actually being able to effectively deal with it in the moment so that they're not paralyzed by it, making sure that people's, their their belief systems and the way that they talk to themselves and the way that they visualize and even becoming more aware of what's really truly going on in their headspace day to day or when they're practicing or participating in their sport or in an important business meeting. When people truly understand that and they integrate all of that together and they align it the right way, that's really where you get peak performance. All of this, of course, is based on the assumption that the person is not lazy, right? Like that's like that's just not <laughs> sort of the quote unquote normal general public is not really who I'm typically working with. I'm working with people who are already high achievers. They've got batteries included. They're ready to rock and roll. They're achieving a lot in their life already. And they know that they're not quite getting the best out of themselves. And sometimes they need some coaching to help fine tune it so they can get that extra two or three or five or 10%, which can completely change how well they perform, how much fulfillment they experience on a daily basis, how rich and vibrant their relationships to themselves and other people 
are. So really looking at maximizing and optimizing people's psychology so that they get the best out of themselves. And not only that, but they actually enjoy the process as they're going through it. And what techniques are you using to do this? So that is a super great question. And I'm going to answer you in a evasive way. <laughs> and actually, the reason I say it and kind of joke about it like that is because I'm very, I'm very sort of like agnostic. I don't know if that's the right word when it comes to methodology and techniques. I don't really care what exactly, like, in other words, I don't have a even though it's funny because my, my big business, one of them is Bergford Performance Systems, but I don't have, we're, it's about building systems for individual people and helping them craft that and fine tune it because we're all different. And so this idea that like, I have the secret, right? Because I, I see this a lot and like, I have the secret seven step formula becoming <laughs> yeah. your best self. And I'm just like, what a load of crap, right? There's no way that, any one system is going to work for everybody. I do believe in principles and following principles, but when, in my experience, when I've got it, gotten, excuse me, too committed to methodology or specific techniques, that's where I'm not serving people well. I really feel the person in front of me that I'm working with or the group of people in front of me and them as individuals should be dictating the different aspects and areas that I pull from to make sure that I design a plan and something that's going to really empower them. Plus, it's different somebody that comes to me and goes, hey, you know, I'm, I'm great in my, in my sport, you know, outside of my work and everything. I'm great in my sport, but I choke during competitions. And that's a very, very different conversation from business owner that's really looking to take their leadership to the next level or grow their company exponentially. I will tell you that I think there are certain principles that are really key and without necessarily listing off 10,000 different principles, but it's things like equanimity of mind and making sure that we're even keeled, that we're that we're grounded, that we have a center to move from, and but that we're anchored into it. In other words, some folks are all over the place in terms of their energy, in terms of their mentality. One day they're up, one day they're down. Finding a way for people to really anchor themselves to a place that's really, it's a powerful base and foundation to move from. I think that's huge. I think people like I you know, mentioned earlier, their, their spirituality is lined out. And for some people that's spending time in nature or it might be meditation, or it might be prayer, any number of things. I think that certain principles of mind, like, again, determination and, and resiliency and understanding how to create that. So I can give you an example. Let's say discipline. Discipline to me is choosing a path, right? And once you've decided, yep, I'm going to pursue this, and you commit to it, just like we all would want our kids to do, right? If you sign up for sport, you're going to do the sport. You're not just going to quit three weeks into it and let all your teammates down, right? So you commit to something, and then you develop that discipline by going in every day and doing the thing that other people don't want to do, and doing it over and over and over, and it's not glamorous and it's not sexy, and that's why most people don't do it because inspiration is cheap, but discipline pays huge dividends. And it's things like showing up earlier than other people and leaving after everybody else is done and getting in those extra reps. A lot of people, I don't think, really put a lot of attention into that, but one to reference back to one of the people who really inspired me, Michael Phelps. I remember him talking years ago in an interview, many years ago, about 
the fact that he trains seven days a week. And he did that for year after year after year, where almost everybody else in the sport was training six days a week because they, quote, needed their recovery. And the way he's looking at that is, listen, I get an extra 52 days a year of practice that other people aren't getting. And so do I think that can make a difference of a hundredth of a second for a gold medal or silver? Yeah, I do. And granted, for most of us, we're not in situations where our livelihood (laughs) is dependent on us, you know, beating somebody out by one one hundredth of a second. But it's the principle of it. It's having the heart of a champion and a warrior and having the discipline and going one more time and showing up early and staying late. And whenever something's presented to you that you feel some resistance and like, I really don't want to do that, i.e. I don't want to jump in the pool this early in the morning, or I want to hit the snooze alarm instead of, nope, I'm putting my feet on the floor. Because what would everybody else do. Pretty much most everybody else is going to press the snooze button. And just personally, mediocrity terrifies me to the point where if I think that something I'm about to do might also be done by somebody who generally lives in kind of a lukewarm, mediocre place, I immediately do the opposite. Okay, awesome. What would that person not be willing to do fantastic, like I'm going to that. So I know I touched on a lot of things there. But again, the reason is technique and methodology wise, I think there's a lot of valuable techniques and methodologies and ways of looking at things. I think the best way is to creatively combine all those elements for you as an individual. And even if you don't have a coach, right, currently, listen to your body, listen to your mind. There's plenty of conventional wisdom out there that may or may not actually apply to you. For instance, I've seen many studies over the years for, you know, that for a vast majority of the population, and we've proved it through science, that incorporating such and such into your diet or doing this really helps you. But I have found for me, it hasn't helped. One example is um, like cold therapy. A lot of times people, if they get in, and I'm not, I'm not promoting, I'm not saying people should do what I'm doing. I'm just giving an example for me. If somebody's really sore or they've really worked hard and maybe they're competing in sports or whatever, to recover from that, they're putting themselves in really, really cold water. And I always found for me that that made things 10 times worse. And not just in the moment. It wasn't like I don't like being in the cold water. I get in a pool every, every morning that's pretty cold, not ice water cold. But cold therapy for me was night and day difference from when I used heat therapy. And it really blew my mind because that's not even what I would recommend to most people because most of the, almost all the evidence is on the other side, but you have to know yourself. And I think that's one of the ways that you develop performance systems for yourself. Almost comes down to trial and error a bit if you're not really aware of what it is you need. Absolutely. I think you go with the best information and the best science and the experts out there. But at the end of the day, and I've even had some incredible coaches either in swimming or business And they've got my best interest in mind and they're really, really great at what they do. And my default is to listen and to do exactly what they tell me because I'm coming to them for a reason. I'm not going to come to them and ask them to coach me and then spend half the time arguing with them. So I'm like, awesome. If you give me something to do and I trust you and I know you have my best interest at heart and you know what you're doing and you know how to get results, I will deploy whatever it is that we come up with together. But I'm also aware that not every piece is going to fit exactly for me. And so I'm going to have to change and adjust and tweak it and not get into this, well, such and so-and-so told me so. And like, so I'm just going to do that. 
I can't absolve myself of my own responsibility to pay attention to my body, be as self-aware as possible. And even though I'm following maybe a program, being willing to have flexibility within the framework of that system, I think is a really huge key. And one of the ways that people get that extra edge is when they employ the best systems and then there's a little bit of freedom in there for them to tweak and move things around just enough so they absolutely hit the bullseye when it comes to getting the best out of themselves. Yeah, precisely. I think that you definitely hit the nail on the head there in the fact that quite often, not even just coaches, but in all walks of life, education springs to mind here. There's always that objective way. This is how you do stuff. This is it. But more often than not, there's so many different ways that work for so many different people. And it's not that one set way. Can I tell you something real quick, Sam? Yeah, sure. <laughs> A couple of years ago, I went down to the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs, which was convenient because I live in Colorado. <laughs> so <laughs> most people have to travel from really far away. Um, when I was down there, I actually had a, met a, a friend, you know, and he, he came all the way out from, from Germany. And we were in the, like the dorm together and stuff. But it was a really cool experience because it was a performance camp down there. And I think there was like seven different Olympic athletes that were there and a whole staff to like take care of you for this experience. And then you're going to swim practice every day. And we had a world-class coach and Dave Durden, actually, he's going to be, well, he's, he was the head coach for the 2020 team. So I guess he'll be the head coach for the 2021 team anyway. But when we're down there and we were looking at film of athletes and we were getting coached, I was amazed because I'm like, so much of this is different than all the current information, the best information that's out there through most other channels, right? So a lot of the like normal magazines and even a lot of the master's information, a lot of it was really great. But I, I, I realized what I'm getting right now is information that's about 10 years down the road that's all going to be mainstream 10 years from now. And so by putting myself in a position like that, I was learning things where I'm going like, oh my gosh, look at the best athletes of today. And sometimes, especially in swimming, if we're not having, if we're not really seeing it on video and having somebody explain who coached that person exactly what that person is doing with their body, we don't really know. We're trying to make our best guess. And so I basically fast forwarded a decade because I put myself in that type of an environment that was not only inspiring, but um, again, anything but conventional wisdom. And I think it will sort of become conventional wisdom eventually, but at that point, right, if we're smart about it, we're already kind of down the road onto the next thing. And so anyway, that was just a really cool experience um, that I thought tied into what we were chatting about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. Well, time's flown by. I've enjoyed talking to you today. Whereabouts can people find you if they want more? I would absolutely recommend my website, bergfordperformance.com. Bergford is spelled B-E-R-G like iceberg and Ford, like the Ford car company or whatever, <laughs> however you want to think. It used to actually be Bergfjord. It was Norwegian, but I think my grandpa or my great grandpa decided nobody's ever going to want to say that. So <laughs> it is now Bergford. So it's bergfordperformance.com. And then the the biggest key is if people want to stay in touch with me and get updates and kind of be on the front end of things, make sure they opt into my email list because that's really how I stay in, in touch with in touch with people the best. So anyway, and, and again, Sam, thank you so much for what you're doing and for allowing me to come join you. And I hope that, you know, some, something or hopefully multiple things we went over today might really be a benefit to people out there, inspiring them, helping them to take the next step, or maybe just reaffirming a lot of what they already know and that they're on the right path. Yeah, well, thank you for coming on. It's certainly been an inspiring conversation for me. Awesome. Thank you, Sam.
Thank you very much for tuning in. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Ultimate Sport P. On Instagram, it's the Ultimate Sports Podcast. And follow us on any streaming service that you use to receive your podcast. And we'll see you next time.